Welcome to the podcast. This is the Dance PT podcast, hosted by moi, Jenna Cantor, performer, hachikapow, and physical therapist. In our interviews, we will dive into all the things that can regularly help you. That's right. As a dance physical therapist with your patients. That's right. Please note that the purpose of this podcast is entertainment and is not here to replace any medical advice. That being said, we are all here to support each other, which leaves me at the most important message I want to leave you with. You are enough and never change yourself for anyone. That's right. You heard me. Be you, and that will enable you to help others the best way possible. Let's end with more scatting. That's right. Jenna out. Hey, we are live. What is up, people? Oh, my God, super excited. I'm here with Dr. Cody Gardner. So weird. Just call him Cody. Or Dr. Cody. I don't know. Everyone used to call me Dr. Cody. I still answer to it. It's fine. Dr. Cody. Call me Dr. Cody. What's up, guys? All right. As you know, I'm always like, be yourself. Just like uh, Aladdin. Or should we say Lottie? Or should I say, here, boy? Okay. Lottie. Malati. All right. So, so Cody has agreed to come on today to talk about the vocal part of physical therapy. Wow. My gosh. Concept for people. Mm. Super excited to be coming on and discussing because this is very common uh, for especially dancers to have. Well, everyone gets deals with vocal fatigue and vocal issues in um, Broadway, but some dancers specifically. So would you first go into, well, first, Tell them about you. Tell them about you. Tell them about you. All right. Uh, to start off. So, yeah, I'm Dr. Cody Gardner. You can call me Cody. It's fine. Um, so I am an actor and a performing arts physical therapist. Um, my history, uh, even before I got into PT school, I was constantly in theater productions. I was uh, singing, playing musical instruments. I play alto sax. I'm a vocalist. I play guitar. Um, I basically have an addiction to the arts and couldn't get rid of it when I went to PT school. Didn't know I could pursue it for a while. So I started out doing that, you know, pediatric sports medicine kind of thing. But uh, luckily, Lynette Kusamers touched my heart and basically said, look, your heart's your heart's in the arts. Go back to it. And so I uh, got straight, went straight out of school uh, into, I started working for a neuro tour, physical therapy, uh, and I was stationed with the Lion King national tour uh, up until last December. And since then I've gone back, I'm back in my hometown of Denver, Colorado, um, looking to get just some more of my performing arts uh, peeps back in the clinic with me and I'm getting back into the arts. So I'm, I'm trying to act part-time doing uh, voice acting part-time too, as you can see from this lovely sound studio, I bet my built myself up in my walk-in closet. Um, I love that. Hey, we find ways to pursue the things we love. So I love it. I love it. It's not black and white. And what's really funny is 
Well, I, I mean, he did not break HIPAA, but I know a lot of people from that tour. So I was just like, oh, okay, like there's just so many friends that I have who are, well, now it's canceled. So, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So, okay. So now let's go back to where I was. So what are things that you think ultimately cause these dancers to be dealing with vocal problems? I think it, well, one part of it largely has to do um, with the level of performance that you're at. So um, at the point where you were, where I was at, if you're at, you know, Broadway level, um, most of the time, most of the dancers at that level, and this is the trend that's been seen uh, for the past decade or so, is that if you're cast in a Broadway show um, at that per professional level level, you are expected as an ensemble member to be able to dance and to be able to sing. So for the most part, those guys, most of the time have some vocal training going into it. Um, however, for some of these people who maybe this is, I mean, and this has also been a trend lately in the past five years or so too, um, is that the, you know, younger and younger people are specializing sooner and sooner into going into this level of professional performance. And sometimes maybe they haven't got the extensive amount of training that some of these other uh, older, more seasoned performers have. So a lot of times, um, you know, you'll get either people who going into this, um, into a new cast who like, I got thrown the voice parts at me like real quick in like five rehearsals. And then I've been reviewing on my own, but maybe necessarily don't have the vocal technique um, that some of maybe the vocal primary performers do. Um, or you're dealing with younger dancers who maybe they're getting into musical theater for the first time. And then all of a sudden they're thrust into a position where, oh, well, we really liked what you did up there. You know, we love the character developments you did. So um, you seem to be able to hold the tune. So let's try something a little harder. And then you're thrust into a situation there where you're at, you know, expected to perform two hour shows. I mean, at the professional level, two hour, two hour, three hour shows five to nine times a week at times. And sometimes those vocal fatigue factors and some musculoskeletal underlying factors um, could predispose you to having um, either vocal wear, um, some muscle tension issues that can impede your ability to vocalize and do it on a consistent basis. And uh, ultimately, I mean, and I've, I've seen this sadly, a number of times is if you're performing at a high enough level and you're expected to keep performing at that level, you start having that vocal breakdown. And at times people have to take breaks from their job, their income in order to allow their voice to recover, which once it's bad, sadly, one of the only things that's been truly researched to show that's, that's going to bring you back is vocal rest. Yeah. So. And that's a very hard thing because that's telling a performer to take time off, which is just ugh. guys. Hey, if you're live right now, write live in the comments. And then of course, if you're catching the replay, write replay. Okay. So for all this, what, when they're coming to you mm. and you're dealing with these vocal issues, psychologically, what have you find to be, this is an important thing to, to acknowledge where, mm. where are they usually at in, in the communication? Like, how are they doing? They're not good. Um, and I mean, I, I say that as like plainly as I can, like it, because to a performer, I mean, whether or not they're a professional vocalist or they're a professional dancer, not only is it their income 
that's a, like that is tied to their ability to perform well. But um, for some of these people, especially the ones who have been singing their whole lives, and I, I definitely. Uh, it weighs on me. I'm an empath. So like I, whenever I hear this, my heart just breaks. They're just like, you know, like singing is such an intimate thing. It's one of the things that's like purely you that you can't. I mean, like unless you're you know, changing your voice up, if you're providing your purest vocal performance, that is a very, very intimate introspection into that person. And all of a sudden you've taken that away from somebody and they can't perform at the extent that they want to there's a, a I've, I've heard it like there's a song in my heart and i can't get that song out and i can't yeah. transmit that across yeah yeah because i'm not able to do all the things i used to do i mean i struggled with that for years i i recently got back into vocal training and for a while there i was pretty i was pretty down i, I would say i'm borderline depressed i was borderline depressed just because there was so much song in me and I could hear exactly what I wanted it to do. And I knew what I used to be able to do, but it just, it's not me and it doesn't come out right. And so it's a, it's a very vulnerable place at which they come to you. And honestly, they're looking for anything, anything that can help. Cause by this point they've read online, every single solution they could find. They've gone to their vocal coach. They've maybe even seen an ENT. They maybe even seen a, a speech language pathologist just trying to find something to get them back. And by the time they're with you, I mean, it's usually they're very sad or they're angry. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's that kind of uh, the, the stages of grief kind of thing because it's such a part of you that you've lost yeah it's a very hopeless hopeless feeling now as a physical therapist i know we talked about potential causes so it'll glide in what are what are things that you find to work on where you've seen results in helping them yeah so um i would say the number one thing that i've seen across the board with all vocalists coming in for some kind of vocal trouble. Um, it usually comes down to it's, it's, I mean, the technical diagnosis that speech language pathologists use is uh, muscle tension dysphonia. So basically the premise that you have, you're getting so much um, muscle tension in the scapula cervical muscles or in the intrinsic cervical muscles or extrinsic, it usually tends to be extrinsic, um, that you get these muscle imbalances because, I mean, the voice in and of itself, the vocal folds are a series of very, very fine muscles and they will respond to tensions coming from outside of that region and impacting that region um, mm -hmm. to a point where you either get a lack of closure of the vocal folds, which means that you're either getting a really breathy feeling like this, or you're doing what I call, well, it's actually called a vocal fry, where you're talking and you're not getting a full sound production. Yeah, um, and smoke cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and people who smoke a lot often get these issues and um, it causes these micro amounts of friction. Um, and of course, as we know, Wolf's Law, um, the body response to the stress is placed upon it. It starts adding more protein to that area, starts thickening the, up those areas of your vocal folds. And eventually it doesn't have the pliability that it needs for it to meet every single vibration, every oscillation. And so then you get what we call a vocal nodule. And that is like the death sentence for any singer is that they get a vocal nodule. But most of this stuff comes up from muscle tension. And I mean, us as physical therapists, I believe we're one of the most aptly suited people to address this issue because 
we more than anyone are the movement specialists. We know where those tensions arise. We know where the tensions can lay themselves in the neck, in the shoulders, um, in the rectus abdominis. I mean, some people, some people go into their singing and they don't have the proper breath support because either they don't have a strong enough pelvic floor or they don't know how to use diaphragmatic breathing. All things that we know as PTs and we are most suited to address. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... When, so when you go in, you're, what, what muscles are usually specifically addressing? So obviously there's the manual therapy. So start with the manual mm. therapy. What do you do? So manual therapy wise, um, it's very useful for me. Even before I go in with my hands, I like to see how they vocalize. If there's a certain, if there's a certain lick of a tune that they can't quite get, um, if they always have troubles with, you know, ascending runs or something like that. I want to see what they're doing with their body. Ascending runs. Ah, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I had to explain that. That's an ascending run. Um, I want to see what their body does, what their physicality does to produce that sound. And uh, for those who have never undergone any vocal training or anything like that, um, everything in the neck, everything in the jaw, um, you should have no tension going on here. Everything should just kind of melt. And if you see um, difficulty, visu visual difficulty with some of these, with some of these tasks that you ask them to do, I immediately look at that and I say, okay, they're doing so one of the big issues. They start coming like this yeah. that, or they, or they start rounding forward or something like that. Yeah. Um, or another one too, is that they just tense everything in their neck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I look, I read into that and that informs everything that I do in manual therapy wise. Cause I mean, yeah. So those are the main movement issues. Is it forward head, um, a rounded posture like this? That's one of the easiest ways to kill a, a vocal vibration. Um, or no, those are mainly the two. So the main muscles that I go in, uh, I usually start extrinsic and work my way intrinsic. So, um, I usually start with levator. Um, I start with upper trapezius. Levator, um, hardly know her. Ha, sorry. Ha. That's stupid. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Continue. Who that, who that is? I don't know. Um, another one that I, <laughs> very, very often treat um, because it contributes to that cervical protraction so much is um, the rectus capitis posterior mm -hmm. uh, and the obliquus capitis mm -hmm. um, superior and inferior, mainly because those muscles are so responsible. Those suboccipitals are so responsible for holding here. And as we know too, it's when, I mean, we have these dominant movement patterns that kind of just sit in place and it's when we're really stressed or really anxious, which are two things that can happen very, very often to a performer. Um, those situations, those stressful situations tend to bring forth those dominant movement patterns, regardless of if we want them or not. So I always release back here, always release the levator, always release um, the upper trapezius. One that I also hit that, um, or two, I should say that I also hit that a lot of people don't often think about. So um, if you, I mean, if you're from the dance world, if you're from the vocal world, if you're from the gymnastics world, anywhere you come from, you're often told like the first thing that you do when you start in your form, you know, you just get in your posture as you keep that neck nice and long and you keep your shoulders down and back. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've found in particular is that this creates a really, really big stiffness or dominance issue in either pectoralis major and minor or latissimus. 
And so a lot, a lot of times you have this kind of tacked down stiffness keeping you downwards so that when you're trying to get your freedom of movement from up here, you tend to get a lot of tension in the upper trapezius and the levator area. So, I mean, even just some of these vocalists you'll or dancers, you'll see they'll have range of motion issues, just simple range of motion issues in their neck. They won't be able to turn all the way. They won't be able to get a full side bend. And you immediately want to start looking into that as well, because these issues, these issues, range of motion issues don't just arise out of nowhere. Right. There's some underlying movement issue with either um, how they dance, how they move. Um, if they have a kid and they're holding their kid constantly on one hip all the time, and then all of a sudden they have a lack of range of motion on rotation on one side. Um, these are the things you also want to look into because ultimately these, you know, these, these stiffnesses that are affecting your range of motion, um, that are affecting your head posturing, um, are going to affect what happens in the vocal tract. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so manual done. Now, now that we've gotten everything loose where it's like shh and gripping, mm. what do you do to hold it in place as it has now aka strengthening, stabilizing? What do you do? What what's what's what exercises do you provide? Well, um that's actually not all the manual I would do though. But yeah, I start extrinsic oh, work oh, intrinsic. You paused. You, yeah. paused. you totally paused. Hashtag clueless. Um, all right, so let's finish because I, I you yeah. did a pause. So all right, so what are they go go for the intrinsics? Yeah, yeah. So I always go for scalings, uh, anterior scalings in particular, because in terms of a forward head posture, if they're really dominant forward, sometimes people will substitute their scalings for their um, abdominals. So mm -hmm. I always release the anterior scalings, the middle scalings. Um, and then for some people in particular, sometimes they need a little bit of longest capitis, longest coli release mm -hmm. um, because they have either it's really adhered and they don't know how to use it. And sometimes it just doesn't have that blood flow it needs. So sometimes they need to find that muscle in order to be able to activate it with a good posture and kind of tuck, tucking in that chin, drawing that chin towards that neck. So I also release there. Um, and then there's a little trick up my sleeve that I kind of invented myself. Um, yeah, I'm sure you're the first one to ever do it, but yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna be able to cite my sword on. I invented something. I'm like, I'm sure someone already did it, but. Right, right, right. Um, so para, um, paralaryngeal muscle massage is no, like not a new thing at all. So one thing that I definitely do is I work around the hyoid. I work around the tips of the high, the wings of the hyoid. I work inferior. I work superior because you got those infrahyoid, superhyoid muscles that can result. Actually, um, what a lot of SLP research has shown is that people who have difficulty with um, making with phonation have actually a larynx that sits more superiorly than people who don't. People who have higher anxiety, in fact. Um, there's been a higher correlation with higher anxiety and introversion with a higher seated larynx. And so then you get another source of that, that um, asymmetry, that lack of that imbalance of those muscles there. So you make sure you release all of that. And then the trick that I found too. So um, one thing you can ask your vocalists to do is, and if, if they're vocalists, they know how to do it, or else if not, you can treat them, uh, teach them how to do it. But I call it, so it's a lip trill. So with a siren. So it's a, and sometimes I can just feel one or two fingers right around that larynx. And I can usually work my way inferiorly, superiorly, little more medially, a little more laterally. And some point, 
when they're going through those lip trill sirens, I'm going to find, I'll find a dead spot. That's kind of what I call it myself. You're not feeling movement. Where I'm not feeling any reson, yeah, no resonance, no, um, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a spot of muscle tension that's limiting the full resonation of the voice box. I love and that. And so I, I start working in just tiny little concentric circles right in that area. And I, I've, I've gotten great results from that too. So oh, something I found on my own. Off. Exactly. Well, I love that so much because as a singer myself, when I've had vocal fatigue and dealt with that, because it does happen, like mm -hmm. I've definitely always come here. This has always been a spot where, and, and like it feels fine, but it's hell attention, hell attention. Mm. When, uh, when it's spoke, I'm just, I'm like, look, right now it feels just weird and mushy, which is good. Like, yes. Weird and mushy. Yes. That's a distinction. Weird and mushy is good. Because I'm so buff, you know, of course, of course. But, um, but yeah, I, I like, I like that you're going into that. Okay. Perfect. Now you're good. We got to eat the, um, oh my God, I want to see eccentric, concentric, but that's so not the, the words I'm looking for. External, internal. Great. So yes. now let's get into everything's, you know, all right, we're good. We're good. Mm -hmm. We acknowledge, like, let's get it. Ooh, ah, okay, great. Now, what do you do exercise wise? Okay. So, exercise wise, we as PTs, we love giving the big movements, but like, you want to give the movements, but you also can't ignore that the voice is a muscle on its own. So, um, simple vocal exercises. I've actually gone into the research for this too, because I wanted to be able to tell my vocalists what they should be doing be sharing the links to these or at least the titles of the research article after this because i know my people you guys write yeah. research right write research down below because i already just know i already know that so mm. uh, you just you put you gave yourself the assignment continue on uh, yeah yeah um so um the research has shown uh that one thing in particular um particularly with people with who have this type of muscle tension dysphonia. Um, the things that they tend to have issues wise is they need a lot of air to start the phonation. Um, they have a lot of breaks in between either gliding between pitches or even just initiating pitches or changing between consonants. So they'll kind of get like a hard stop, like a uh, uh, kind of thing. Uh, Yep, or the hard, yep, the breaks, the uh, hard breaks in the range. That's another one that happens too. Um, so in this, yeah, in this one article that I found in particular, um, they just found that the, the lightest volume that you can make humming and going very, very slow. So they, they said, you know, usually an octave, uh, octave for every five seconds. So, mm hmm like, mm, 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 but that was too fast. So you want to go mm, very, very slow, as light as you can, because if you're forcing it, if you're forcing that airflow, um, you're going to be working in some of the extrinsic muscles. Yeah. So we want to start retraining, re-educating the smaller muscles um, to either, well, the big muscles to relax, to not engage, and the smaller muscles to work on your stabilization as you're vocalizing. Um, and that's even just one of the simplest things you can do. And as actually, I listened into one of your one of your talks from earlier. Um, one of the same articles that I found is that you actually, yes, you do get some um, vasodilation, which is even just some very, very light humming. Yes. It's a very easy thing to do to just get improved circulation to your vocal folds, improved circulation to uh, your lower airways. 
Very yes. easy thing to do. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. So we have that. What about the movement, the exercise? Like, are we talking chin tucks? Um, Definitely chin tucks. Salva <laughs> maneuvers. Like, what do we want to do? So we want to do, we want to be working on the chin tucks because we want to be working on that cervical stabilization. So they don't want to be getting their stabilization from SCM, um, from levator by doing a forward head posture. So we want to train in tall, elongated posture, long neck by drawing in the chin in towards the neck. Uh, that's one thing you want to be doing. Second thing, um, you need to be determining where their scapular, because if they have muscle tension issues here, it's likely not just due to their neck. It's either yeah. scapular or it's or it's a cervical instability. So you want to be really searching into, okay, is this coming from a movement impairment that we're seeing from the shoulder blades? Are we getting excessive elevation of those shoulder blades with across multiple movements? Or, you know, do I see that when I do a unilateral arm raise, you get a little bit of movement in those spinous processes from one side to the other. So you want to be working on that cervical stabilization. So one exercise I love to do, um, I picked this up actually during one of my clinicals with concussion training. So it's basically a VOR. But what you're doing is you're training in all the cervical stabilization at the same time. So you have them lift up, you draw the chin in towards the neck, one finger out in front, and you start doing tiny little oscillations back and forth, high frequency. And once you get that rhythm down, then you start bringing that finger out to the side, still tiny oscillations following that finger. You go to the end ranges where you start feeling that stiffness kind of kick in and it's harder to do. Oh, active. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you bring it back. Oh my God. This makes me think I'm Catherine Hepburn right now. <laughs> <laughs> sweet. Sweet. You can be Catherine Hepburn. I mean, be Batman, be Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> <laughs> but just doing those little Hepburn, Write Catherine Hepburn down below. Why not? <laughs> Give her a little shout out. So Love documentation, her. the Catherine Hepburn. Hepburn. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. Five repetitions. Amazing. Oh my God. That's totally been able to exercise. Official. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, have, I, I make up names for my exercises all the time. I call one, give my regards to Broadway. And like, hey. I, and it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> hey, as long as, you, as long as you know what it is and as long as you don't have to support it to an insurance well, company, that's fine. Because it's just goofy now. So it's where you're switching, jumping back and forth with the feet and then your arms are like this. Get my regards <laughs> Stop. That's awesome. That's awesome. Working that mo ankle mobility and getting that endurance. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, um, and what about, I mean, I'm just going to add in, I mean, bouncing off everything that you said, that's freaking golden thoracic spine. When you're saying if there's lack of stability here, then this is possibly trying to make up for it and not move as much. Oh yeah. Because So like, Oh yeah. Full oh, yeah. Full and that's where that's where manual therapy comes into play. And that's like where exactly our niche of physical therapy, because it's like we're the posture people, you know, at first I thought you froze. And I'm like, that is actually a really cool position. Freeze. I've never slept falling asleep in a weird position. Everyone write down weird position. If you've done that before, like I like we were just. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes like when you fall asleep in the weirdest, it's like the best sleep. Yeah. Mine is, mine is pillow half nestled up against me and me laying on my side, but half on it. And then this arm up underneath with the pillow here. So it's kind of like half on, half on. Oh yeah. 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 And oh, then yeah. the knee up, of course. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> so, tangents, tangents. Who cares? It's fun. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it's like perfect. I love it because you've given a lot, basically a through line on how they can care for this person and provide immediate like help. So they get mm -hmm. that immediate relief, which is huge, but then also the long-term solutions for them. And I really like how you brought up earlier on just the posturing and everything. So you can really, if you are on tour, say with that performer, you see them on stage, you can watch them and go, okay, I noticed when you hit this one note, like, ah, like some sort of thing, you're really holding. So if we could choose one moment for you to just focus, mm -hmm. Like just, you know, um, so, and that's where you could just really give um, hands on, not like literally hands on, but mm -hmm. hands on feedback for what they're actually doing on the stage, which is extremely it, valuable. I think you bring up a really good point, too, is that you could have them in your room. And this is this is totally a thing, too. When you have a vocalist or a dancer, a vocalizing dancer um, yeah. in the in the studio with with the either you know the accompanist or or the music director or even you yeah. and you ask them to sing a certain phrase they will likely sing it with the perfect technique they will do it with nothing wrong but as soon as you get them on stage exactly. and they get into character they're outside their own heads they're in their characters heads yeah. and they're in the heat of the moment or or the heart rate starts pumping a little bit and you're breathing a little harder than you normally do and you start seeing things that they never did in front of you right and and actually we have a mutual friend um who i've seen a video she's uh, you know um she posted a past video hmm Jen or Sade? Jen. Oh, okay. Okay. Jen. Got it. Okay. Um, and she's, she's been doing excellent work. Excellent work. I saw, um, I saw her just kind of singing and I was like, it's just so good to hear her sing. Uh, she, so you guys know, so Jen's from the um, Lion King tour. I did not treat her so I can say whatever the heck I want. Um, so I just said mutual friends. So, so, we're, so anyway, so um, Jen, uh, she, uh, a leading person, uh, lots of vocal problems had to leave the tour, which sucked. Um, she's, she's a, a good, a good friend of mine. And, um, so that when I'm saying it was good to hear her sing, it's because it's good to hear her sing. <laughs> but the, the part that kills me, the part that kills me is that she will, she always looks back compared to what she is doing now. And like, to me, to you. She sounds stupendous, but she always, always will look back and be like, I think I was better then. And I, and, and, and she like, she's doing really well and she's doing it from the bottom up. She's, she's getting vocal coaching. She's seeing an SLP. She has an ENT, all this stuff. And, and, and she's doing amazing work, but she will, she always is critical of herself. And that's something that you're going to see in performers everywhere. Like that, that hyper self-critical. Yeah. Mm hmm um her talented her sound god mm, mm, love it. she was but she also she was posting videos a couple weeks back like where where she's like this is what i used to sound like but i also watched her and she's doing this entire thing singing down at the piano here she's not opened up she's not keeping her head tall she's like her head is coming way forward and it's beautiful sound and the body has an incredible ability to adapt to the different constraints we place upon it but it's when 
and I tell this to my patients all the time, regardless of injury, like you may have these underlying things going on that never bugged you, but it's when the stress is ramped up and your body's ability to recover doesn't match that, uh, that amount of stress that you're inducing. And like, I'm still, like I said, I'm still so proud of the work that she's doing now because all these other things that she realized that she used to do, she's now correcting for. And, and there's a lot to do because Another aspect too, I have a friend who uh, was on a production and um, chronic neck issues. Um, but she like, and this is, this is another thing too, highly, highly, highly tied to her stress levels. Yeah. If she was having a good week on the show, if she was having a good rehearsal week, if uh, her personal life, everything was going good, she could sing like a bird. But then as soon as things started and she, yeah, and, and she was in to see me every single time and, and it's funny, it was, <laughs> and that's where we come. We become like a therapist, therapist to them too, because like even just hearing them through their issues, repeating the things back to them that they're saying to you, and like helping them work, even just like passively through some of this stuff, yeah. can oftentimes really, really help. What's going on, cervical, uh, scapular, uh, and vocally, and that's that's a that's an unrealized, untapped potential that I think. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. I got to end this now because not because I don't love this time. Cause who doesn't love time with my buddy Cody, but I need to eat tacos oh. um, and I'm starving. Um, but, so yes, I chose going further, going longer or tacos. Yes. In this case, I chose, mm. but Cody, thank you so much for coming on. I definitely have an idea for you coming on next time. I'll collaborate with you later and talk oh, to you. Oh. But you guys, there's two spots left now in the Dance PT program. Honestly, I think we just lost a spot during this because I just had spent having people message me. I was like, oh, cool. So anyway, um, really cool. Yeah. Happy to be of help. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. You guys, right? Thank you. If you are grateful for him coming on. And Cody, may the force be with you. And I'll post those links. I'll post those studies. You love me. You love me. I, I do. I do. <laughs> All right. Grudging. All right. Bye, everybody.